Welcome back to the Nest College Football Podcast. My name is Chris, and we got Tony. And today's special guest, we got Dan Archilla, just moved in freshly uh, from New York. And uh, welcome, Dan, to the show. So, guys, thank you for having me. So, we have, again, no ad. So, if anybody wants to uh, give us an ad. Um, And then uh, we got Dan, like we just mentioned. Dan is a former Ohio State Buckeye for a small snippet of time, which we'll get into later on, probably next episode. So, you got to stay tuned for some good Urban Meyer stories, some good... uh, some good back in the day, early Ryan Day stories, maybe some Tate Martell. Who knows? But you got to come back next episode for that. But we got some great stuff coming for this episode. But first, hit it with the theme song. All right, here we go. We're back. First, we'll hit it with the national landscape, then Temple talk, then Semo talk. So national landscape. And uh, so, what was your what was your your games you watched besides going to Semo for for this week this weekend, Tony? Well, of course, of course, you had a Ohio State Penn State, which you know originally looked like a classic Ohio State game originally, but then Penn State kind of clawed back. And made yeah, game. we'll we'll get into that. You is that one of the games you watched? Was that your Penn State Ohio State game? The only big game. Yeah, it was. But so before even the game was. Uh, ESPN College Game Day, which I woke up uh, pretty early, had the alarm set for 5 a.m., and then next thing I know, it's 5.50, I'm still laying in bed, get up, brush the teeth, don't even bother anything else, because I'm going to layer up four layers on top, two layers on the bottom, ski socks, big hat, gloves, hand warmers, grab my sign, picketed, scootered all the way to the stadium, sat there in line, and then was told I couldn't bring my stick in on the sign into the pit. So I sat there, got there probably around 6.15, 6.20, and was standing outside, freezing cold, my feet numb for three hours straight. Dan ended up coming, was meeting up later on. Dan came to game day at like uh, probably 10 o'clock. 10, yeah. He probably arrived at 10. Like, game, game day started at 9. He's like, nah, I ain't waking up too early. So I showed up super early. He came like four hours later. Um, was going to bring the other sign and have not bring their sign, but it's all right. That was my most seen sign. The sign on Twitter that I tweeted, it was big cats. Can't lose parlay is greater than Penn state, which did you see that sign on Twitter? I think I did. Yes. And we're going to get a live update. The stats on it. It is, has 2,484 likes, 84 retweets, 10 replies, and it was seen last checked by over half a million people, and the final count right now, as of today at 7.11 p.m., 596,023 people saw that sign. More than the other sign that I actually carried to game day and and had it up there, which was the uh, Chase Young, wish he had Manti Teo's girlfriend. Classic sign, but um, the Ohio State fans didn't know how to react to it. They were like, are you making fun of Ohio State? Or, or are you making fun of Manti Teo? It's a great callback to one of the wildest college football stories of all time with Manti Teo back in like 2012 season. Yeah, it was when they uh, when they first kind of hit the national scene when they were uh, I, I don't know if it was a college football playoff or was it still BCS? No, I, this was still BCS. BCS. 2012. Yeah. 
it was like December 2012, January 2013, and a wild story. Great callback though. Like seven years later, Excellent. this guy in this in the line was like, "I don't get, I don't get your sign." So I explained it to him, and he just, just he was just oblivious. He's like, "I just don't." It's not your sign. It's me. I'm an idiot. I just don't get it. It's like only and then, kids will remember. And then the <laughs> other, and then the other side, other side of the sign was you versus uh, the guys who told you not to worry about was you, Tate Martell versus Justin Fields. Same guy was like, I don't get your sign. And his little son, his little son was like nine years old. And I'm like, it's a meme. And he's like, I'm like, I'm like, I bet your son gets it. And he turned to kid. And he goes, Yeah, I get it. It's a meme. And he, the kid got it. He goes. And he goes, can you explain it? And I was like, yeah. And I explained it. This Tate Martell. He goes, I really don't get it. And I was like, oh, I have to explain the meme. Like your girlfriend uh, has this guy friend that says, oh, don't worry about him. Don't worry. He's just a friend. He's just a friend. But psych. Then she goes, sleeps with him, leaves you for him. But she said, don't worry about it. That's that. Tate Martell is you. The other guy's the guy that's the friend that she told you not to worry about. She ended up sleeping with him, leaving you for him. And the guy was like, oh, wow. Don't get it. And I was like, but your son, he's nine. He gets the meme. That sign was the hottest sign in the streets. That sign, literally, literally, the, the literal and figurative phrase of it was hot in the streets. I'm walking in the streets of Columbus with it and everyone's just laughing. You just watch the eyes. You watch people stop, take photos. We had this girl stop and said, oh my God, my, my best friend. Her ex-boyfriend is Tate Martell. I got to take this photo and send it to her. I was like, yeah, Tate Martell's a bitch. She's like, oh, he's a big-ass bitch. Like, everyone loved the Tate Martell. That was the one that was on TV the most. But you could barely see it was the littlest little sliver of a box of my yeah. sign. But um, everyone loved the Tate Martell, Justin Fields one. Ever, got a lot of laughs. Nobody liked the Chase Young Manti Teo reference. Cause they were, I think they, nobody got it. They didn't. I think they they were like, is he making fun of Chase oh, yeah, Young? They were divided. They were, they were like, they were like, wait, he he's Should making I fun know. of Ohio State. We're all Just Ohio State fans. So like, they were like, nah, we can't laugh at it. So they loved the Tate Martell because they all hate Martell. Dan, who 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 had played with Tate Martell back in the day when Tate Martell walked in, he said to me yesterday, he's like, I didn't realize how much everyone hated Tate Martell here. Right. He's like, I didn't realize the hatred that that Columbus hated Tate Martell. So it was that was the great sign. Uh, the show, uh, you watch the whole show for game day? I watched the majority. I think I I missed maybe forty five minutes of it, but I thought I saw your sign. Yeah, so. it was over Kirk Herb Street's shoulder a lot when they were on like off the stage onto the side stage. But uh, Pat McAfee was electric. They had. Um, he was making awesome, like, dirty jokes on Disney, which was gr- a Disney-affiliated station, which was great. Uh, the very, very beginning, before the show even started, there was the, they brought this guy, a big Ohio State super fan, w- with Brutus. His name was Big Nut, this big, fat, bald guy. Painted face, and um, uh, Pat McAfee was asking... What? How long it took for him to paint his face? He said on a good day, hour and a half. Bad day, two hours for his wife to paint his face. And he said, "Oh, you're, so your name, your your fantasy name is big, or is a, his his fan name is Big Nut." And he, Pat McAfee makes the joke of, "I had I've had a few of those in my day," and uh, the place started laughing and and like uh, Reese Reese is a little like a uh, little shaky. Doesn't know how to handle the situation. 
Next yeah. thing, next thing you know, <laughs> Pat McAfee, Pat McAfee makes another another se- sexual innuendo joke of, oh my my wife knows about a few of those uh, big nuts and uh, great great joke by Pat just firing off the big nut jokes, obviously because a Buckeye's a nut, that's why he's named Big Nut, but it was just great funny sexual innuendos which was hilarious. Show went on. Pat McAfee was hilarious. Pat McAfee loved shutting out the OH to get the IO from the fans. Um, then they disappeared for the last hour. The play, the pit emptied out. Everyone disappeared. Don't forget we had Eddie George. Yes, Eddie Go George. Alert. Eddie George came out. Cardell Jones was there. Paris Campbell was there. Um, yes, a lot, a lot of big names out there. But then they disappeared. They didn't. They didn't put the headgear on out here. They went inside the stadium, which I thought was a weird move. I've never seen that. It was. To, I've never to, seen that. For them to not even have the game, to then be in the stadium, which I don't get it. You know, I think it may have been. I don't know. They're like way there to get to be people. A reason why they moved? The only way I could think of is they wanted people to stay until noon, so they maybe moved inside because maybe eleven fifty-five, eleven fifty. You're changing your station to Fox to go to get ready for the noon game. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think maybe they kept it in there to to fool people, to make it that people think that they're that they have the game or something. I don't know why, but it was weird to go inside for the last hour. So we dipped maybe. out, went the, home. The only, thing I could, the only thing I could think of is the because uh, you know Ohio State has those pregame kind of traditions. Yeah, I don't maybe know. Maybe to capture that part because you got Kirk and you got Eddie George. It's, you know, set, yeah, but. it was weird. It was pretty weird to have that. The, the fans still cheered when he put on the Buckeye, uh, the Buckeye headgear, and I don't know. It, it was odd. But after that, we decided to head back home. We walked back home, got some food. Then Dan and I, we went, got some cash, and our goal was to scalp some tickets for this Penn State game. And we had a maximum of sixty dollars per ticket, and went up to this guy in front of the same spot, knew he was going to be. Lowballed them. First guy said, "I'll take twenty dollars for two of them. Two of them, twenty dollars a piece, forty dollars total." He said, "No, no. This is already the end of the first quarter." He said, "No, no, no. These are these are three hundred dollars seats. I can't do it for that." I said, "All right, twenty-five. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, "No. How about how about sixty a piece?" No. Way. And I said, <laughs> "He first. I think he said eighty a piece." I said, "Nope. We're not, we're not even close to the same page." It was a sixty, and I said, "My guy." It's the, 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 we're in the second quarter. You're not going to get anything for these. He goes, I can't do that. I have 40 apiece. And that was what our goal was. And I said, all right, deal, 40 apiece. He took us full tour of B-dubs inside yeah, for that? some reason. He goes, I got I to gotta check with my man inside to make sure, my boss to make sure it's good. Hey, boss. He, he goes, but he'll say yes to the 40 apiece. Okay, he takes us every inch of inside this B-dubs. And I'm like, he, I have the tickets in hand. I'm like, I just want to leave. Yo, I was like, like, yeah, we should just, just take just, off. Just, just take off. <laughs> hand him the cash to take off. We're like, hey, we're just going to go find someone else. And then he finds his boss outside the bathroom. And, and no, then, I'm saying he gave us the tickets already. He already had, had the tickets. Our, I was like, yo, we, we had the tickets. Walk out of we should just left. We should have just left. But he finds the boss. And then the boss has the nerve to say 30. Uh, no, he 50. tried to get the 50. He said, 50 a piece. And I said, no, 40, and I'm out of here. I got to get to the game. And he goes, all right, fine. And I, I knew the boss. I knew the whole time the boss is going to try and make it higher. I'm like, nah. We're, we, got, we got the tickets. Head in. We're there for the beginning of the second quarter. Uh, good, good game so far. Third quarter. Yep. 
starts raining a bit. I go inside. I need to get some something in my stomach. You take off for the whole take off for the, the whole third, third quarter. quarter, and then Penn State goes off fumble touchdown fumble touchdown. And next thing you know, it was more OSU miscues. Yes, than Penn State going off. Yes, because early in that third quarter, the the Penn State quarterback got hurt. Yes, Sean Clifford he out got hurt. So and then miscues deep in their own territory by Ohio State. Right. Penn State fourteen nothing run while I'm standing in line for this damn pretzel. When I say this line was there was fifty people in front of me in four lanes, absurd. Once we get to the front half of the line, I'm now screaming. Once they score this second touchdown, I'm like screaming at the people because I'm like, we need to get back to our seats. They're, sco- they're losing 14 nothing since we all been in line. Give us the damn pretzels. This lady had 50. This guy had five. This lady had like a hundred dollars in Buckeye bucks. Then got 10 smoked brisket sandwiches that took up the whole line. Finally get the pretzel. Get back outside. Then we score again. Ohio State scores. Great end to the game. What's your thoughts, Ohio State game? Uh, Dan, the rest of the game, what's your thoughts? Um, I thought Ohio State pretty much dominated. I mean, the score didn't really show it, but I thought that game was not as close as the scoreboard showed. Yeah. Ohio State ran the ball at will, and I think just in that third quarter, it was just ball security issues from Justin Fields. I think the first fumble was off the handoff. If I'm not mistaken. Yep, I think that's what they said on TV. So just small miscues, but Ohio State still still dominant, really. And Chase Young, what what more can we really say? He took over the game yeah. second half and it's really unbelievable. He's making a Heisman case. So yeah. yeah. Impressive win for OSU. Penn State's still a solid team. They had a good running game. Um, but yeah, OSU I think, has that spot, I think. And I, before the game they were saying on game day that Chase Young no longer has a chance for the Heisman in these two weeks unless he had it. And he had an, he had a great game against Penn State. I think – what's your thoughts, Tony? you think he's back in the race after this game? Um, I think part of it is Tua being out because Tua's yeah. not doing the Heisman more. So now, you know, you got an open slot there. And, you know, if Chase Young continues to dominate like no other defensive player has since maybe Clowney, um, you know, why not? I think – I don't know if he'll win it. But he'll but get invited. He'll be invited. I think, yeah, yeah he's got a way better chance on it, too. It's interesting that he even makes a case. That just shows you because defensive players don't really get that look. Yeah, and we talked about that a few weeks ago, that it, it, usually when there's a defensive player in, in the top three, they should probably win it. Like they're, like they're when, balling out when, Adam, when Adamican Sue was in New York for that, he should have. If you look at that back at that field, Nadamika too should have won that Heisman. Or who? Oh, Jabril Peppers won, right? Jabril Peppers, yeah. But he was like a a dual position. Yes, player, he was so like a multi. Really, yeah. It was tough to make a different case. Yes, he's the very valuable. But when when Adamikin Sue went, that's one of the last defensive guys. You're like right. that guy should have won it, right. but he didn't. But um, Ohio State keeps on rolling, and uh, after that, we'll, we'll get into it later. Game ends. We come home, 45 minutes at home, recoup. We hop in the car, drive two hours to Cincinnati and attend the Temple game. But we're going to pick up with the Temple game stuff at Temple Talk. We'll finish out uh, the national landscape stuff. Um, Other big news, Arizona State upsets Oregon. Their chance at the playoff is done. 
playoff picture set up perfectly, I think, for Utah as the number four team, as long as the three undefeateds currently stay undefeated. As long as Clemson, Ohio State, and LSU continue to win out and win their conference championships, I think Utah's in at the four spot. I think Utah yeah, will be in ahead of any Big 12 team. I don't, unless maybe OU blows out Baylor in the Big 12 championship, I think Utah wins and goes in the number four spot. What's your thoughts, Tony? Uh, I, I'm more concerned about uh, Alabama because yeah, they play Auburn and then they don't play any anybody. So. Yeah, but I think with Tua out, they're done. I don't think the, I don't think the committee will put them in without Tua. I don't. I think that they are hearing and hearing like the national writers and like throughout the week the way they talk. Nobody has that confidence that. Alabama would need Tua to be able to make that case to be to ha- like they had like two years ago when they when they didn't make it to the conference championship but they still made it was it last year that that they made it was it last year or two years ago it Whatever. was uh, they won last year because Jalen Hurts uh, yeah saved the game against Georgia but. yeah no, no I mean like to make it into the playoff where they didn't win the conference championship I don't know if it was well, last year or the year before but I don't think they could do it because they don't have Tua. I don't think they'll get selected in. So that's why I think Utah would be in over Alabama. Yeah. I mean, you got to respect the conference champion with Pac-12 or Big 12. Obviously, Utah is right on the doorstep there. So uh, for them to get in there, they would have to leapfrog. Well, first they would need Georgia to lose because I don't think LSU drops out if they lose the SEC championship. That's what I mean. That, that's what I mean, though. If, if LSU, Clemson, and uh, – why am I blanking? I just said it. LSU, Clemson, Georgia. Georgia. And- no, no, no. Three undefeateds. If the three undefeated stay undefeated, Utah's in. If one of those teams lose, then Utah is potentially out. Utah's probably out. That's what yeah. they need. Those three undefeateds to stay undefeated for Utah to get in. That's that's where I'm. That's what I'm thinking. If you the three undefeated stay undefeated, who's your fourth team? I mean, if that means Georgia's out. I mean, it's either Alabama or Utah. What not not in Oklahoma? I don't see Oklahoma do, getting that jump, making that jump. I think unless they win conference championship game by like twenty plus, they can potentially do it. I just, it has to I be just a really quality win. I don't see the uh, Big Twelve having what what's going against Oklahoma is the Big Twelve being a lackluster, lackluster conference. Yeah, uh, but that's what we were saying about Pac twelve like ten weeks ago. Well, yeah, but they, I mean, the team started to step up in the Pac-12 yeah. with Utah, Oregon being, and Arizona State gets that victory on their belt. Um, Washington's, you know, mediocre, but they're still a decent team. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, Pac-12, I feel, is a little deeper than the Big 12. Agreed, agreed. So, I mean, interesting. Penn State done, Oregon done with the playoffs. Um, any other uh, playoff picture like thoughts? Is standard Oregon just Oregon losing. behaviors, what we see almost, they look so strong, and then end of the season, they find a way to just choke it away. Yeah. yeah whether it's Stanford, that's usually the team they lose to, Stanford, yeah, to deep, choke deep, it away. Yeah, deep in the season. Uh, but yeah, it, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how the playoff picture plays out. Um, other national landscape, uh, Miami loses to FIU. So... Our boy, Manny Diaz, for those Temple fans out there, Manny Diaz has lost 
four games this season where they were favored for 20-plus points or more, which is more than any college football team ever. No college football team has ever lost four games in a season that they were favored for 20-plus points or more. First time ever in college football history. Miami, done. Manny Diaz, is he on the hot seat? Do you get rid of him after a year? Even though his dad's the mayor of the city? Do you give him, do you, do you, does he stay for another year? Or is next year his hot seat year and then he's done? What do you, what's your think, thoughts on, on Manny staying in Miami? Just because it's a, there's Temple connection to it, that's where I think a lot of Temple fans are thrilled that Miami is terrible. Just because Philly fans are, are scummy and they know it, they're going to root for Manny Diaz to fail till the day he dies, which I get it. Yeah, I, I think he's got. I think he's got one more year. Um, Similar to like Florida State situation. Yeah, I, now that's the thing. Now Florida State, um, they're looking for their coaches. Miami get on that same market and say we got to snag our guy before. Florida yeah, State but they may do a Willie Taggart two year thing with Manny, and he's done. So Manny's next year might be his yeah, last. I, I think Manny. He's. I think he's got one more year, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes just because. You know, Miami's always, they, they yeah. have the past, you know, backing them up with the program and its prestige, but, you know. Two years past, ago, two years ago, they were killer. They were a 10-win team two years ago. So, I mean, it's, and he was know. the D coordinator two years ago. So, it's it's not looking good for Manny down in uh, the the humidity of Miami. So, um, or Tate. <laughs> yeah, or, or Tate. That's some other news. Other news, Tate Martell, who's been, he switched to wide receiver, and then earlier this <laughs> earlier this week, he after he lost the job, he's like, I'm going to go take some reps in wide receiver at the beginning of the season. Earlier this week, he announced he's done with wide receiver, and he's actually going back to quarterback, and he said he wants to be a quarterback. That's what he's wanted all along. He wants to be a quarterback, and uh, yeah, interesting move by Tate. I won't be surprised if we see Tate Martell Enter the in transfer portal, portal again, portal. and he's going to move somewhere else. And I, his ego is too big to go FCS, but absolutely, ego is too big to go to FCS school. Absolutely. I don't know if it's ego is too big to go to a non-Power 5 school and go to like I think it is. an American. He's, he's going to want a Power 5 school. I think you're right. Which, what, like a Purdue? Where could Tate fit? Purdue and just hand off the ball and he just his career dies in like a – in like – I don't uh, think he would go Big Ten. Yeah, I, I, I mean, know. I doubt. I bet they would block him from going to an ACC school. Um, he's, he's, he's from California. So, oh yeah, California and Las Vegas. He could go out out west. Yeah. Oh man, it'd be. I think he enters the portal, and I'd, I'm I'm a ride that story because I'd love to see where that ends up. I could see uh, UCLA, Tate. <laughs> UCLA, yeah, Chip Kelly. Does he possibly. take him? Chip Kelly. I don't know. They 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 may get um they may get the the top quarterback right now who they just offered your guy that got the Kansas offer. Well, he, were, he's going to K, he's going to KU. Les Miles is going to get him. Oh, he's going to get him. He's going to get him. Number one quarterback. Wow. <laughs> wow. We'll see. It's It'll be interesting show. to follow the Tate Martell storyline as Miami is falling apart and uh, Tate wants to go back to quarterback. So elite eleven guy. I love my elite eleven guys. So. Um, rankings mix up, uh, Michigan back in the top 10 AP, uh, Utah 
is at number six. Minnesota also back in the top ten in the AP. Interesting to see how the college football playoff rankings um, play out on Tuesday evening. But any other any any big surprises you see? No, I'm waiting for you guys. I'm waiting for Dan to say uh, to see if he says Michigan or the team up north. Team up. He north. won't say. He won't team say the M word. That's, that's what I thought. He will not say the M word. I was at. Uh, I went and got Chipotle today, and I'm opening door Chipotle. 30 minutes outside of Columbus, and they crossed out the. They put the red X on the all the PMs on the the times of the door, for the when the store hours open. I go to get lemonade for my for my cup of water. I get the lemonade. The lemonade, all the M's are crossed out. In Minute Maid, lemonade. Yep. Everything's crossed out already. I'll, t- I'll tell you, my favorite part on game day was when they uh, introduced Desmond Howard and the whole place just boos him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That was great. That was great. So, um, speaking of games of the week, um, starting Friday first, though, uh, Cincinnati versus Memphis. At Memphis, which is a preview we're getting back-to-back games. It's a preview. Cincinnati at Memphis. That's what the conference championship is going to be, which is interesting to see. Uh, they're they're playing their last regular season game together, and then they'll play again the following weekend for the conference championship for the American Athletic. Uh, that's a good, that's a good, good game written all over it. Yes, it's unique. It's unique. It's almost as unique as the. Uh... Do you do do you also since you're going to play them back-to-back weeks? Are we going to see them not putting out full packages and not give everything, uh, let them see everything so you save some stuff for the conference championship? Uh, that's a good question. I, Memphis, I watched the Memphis SMU game a couple weeks ago, and what they run, it's it's so air raid type. So, I mean, everything they run, it's kind of unpredictable because the routes are always constantly changing where – Cincinnati, you guys kind of saw them yesterday. Yeah. It's more of a simple playbook, so they may not want to show their cards. They got a big, they got some big running running backs. I think that's their third down back. He looks like he's maybe 5'9, but he's like 235. Yeah, almost like like 250. He's like, he's like a, yeah, like a Brandon Jacobs. If Brandon Jacobs was like under six foot. Brandon Jacobs was like six, six. Yeah, but imagine (laughs) Brandon Jacobs, you squish him down to under six foot. He's, I don't think this guy looks bigger than Michael Michael Turner. No way. This guy looks bigger than Michael Turner. Maurice Jones Drew. Oh, he's bigger than Jones Drew. This guy was a brick house. (laughs) Like number three or number nine. Number three. Number three, huge. But I think it was the third down back because we only saw him a lot in the fourth quarter. Um, but yeah, Cincinnati, Memphis, game of the week. Now, second game of the week, Ohio State at team uh, the North. team up north. Uh, number five, Alabama at number 15, Auburn. Number 12, Wisconsin at number 10, Minnesota. Number nine, OU at number 21, OK State. So this is big old rivalry week. Uh, a lot of games, five ranked matchups we got this week. Um, what's your, I mean, I know the one I'm going to watch. The number one one to watch is uh, we're outside the the, the quad, the Tony quad screen with the fifth game. So, but it's a Friday game. So your quad screens are good for Saturday. But That's right. Ohio State, Michigan. The game. The game is the game to watch at noon on Saturday. The next game for me is Alabama-Auburn. I was just gonna say game I'm to actually watch. highly excited to game see that. to watch. I want to see what they can do without two of one, and I want to see how good they actually are as a team because this is only gonna be the second 
quality opponent that they played this season. Yes, yes. We'll see how Bo Nix can go up against his first Alabama game uh, in, in his college career. And we'll see how Mac Jones plays against Auburn. Uh, Mac Jones has been on, been there for a bit and, and should know the offense pretty well by now. So it'll be interesting yep. to see how that plays out. But that Friday night game, Cincinnati-Memphis, will be a great one to watch. Um, my upset of the week, and then Tony, you have your upset too, I'm guessing. My upset yes. of the week is going to be Syracuse over Wake Forest. Ooh. I think Syracuse over Wake Forest. Wake Forest has had a little bit of a fall, a fallout towards the end of the year. Um, and I think Syracuse, they're at Syracuse, Syracuse in the Dome. I think Syracuse wins it. What's your upset uh, of the week? I think I'm I know what your upset is. If you're going to be the homer like you always are, you're going to have your biases play. I think I'm going to guess your Kansas is going to be your – that's my guess. Is Kansas your upset? They're, they're, of course, I'm going to have them. The Baylor's going to Lawrence, and that, that of course, is an upset. But I'm going to go with Oklahoma State. Uh, take ooh, care of business in Stillwater. That is spicy. That's a spicy take. That's a hot take. I like that. That's hot. I also want to say a hot take here. Uh, South Carolina has Clemson at 11 a.m. I saw that too. It is coming, coming to them. So not, not I'm not going to predict predict it, but I think it will be a close game. You're saying watch out, don't be Senior surprised because Tony told you to not. It's got all the recipes for an upset. It does. A noon start, Eastern 11. In, in Central, so it it is, again, rivalry week. So rivalry, you could throw records out the window when it's a rivalry game. That's what they say. Uh, Georgia, Georgia Tech, I don't think that is, I think Georgia takes care of business. But Clemson, don't say it, don't say it in front of uh, head coach Dabo Sweeney, but Clemson could go, they haven't done it in a while, but they could go Clemsoning again. Yeah, I, Dabo, I think it's because South, South Carolina beat Georgia already this year on standing there and seeing today the at road. home. On yeah. the road they beat them. Yeah. That, Clemson, Michael, clemson this weekend. It'll Just, be in, you heard it first on the podcast. You did hear it here straight first from Tony. All right, moving on to Temple Talk. Temple at Cincinnati recap. We drove two hours because it was rainy and there was traffic and construction. But we got there and end of the first quarter, we arrived. Took forever. We had to pay $8 in parking. Cincinnati, nice little part where UC is is located in the Cincinnati. I was in Cincinnati uh, two years ago, about a year and a half ago. Never anywhere near University of Cincinnati, though, but UC's area of the city, pretty cool spot. Um, it's It reminds it's like a mini, like, Columbus on the side of, like, a hill. Because everything, you got to go up on a lot, up up and down a lot of staircases. Uh, parking lots were loaded. Parking garages were full. So we ended up getting uh, uh, parked at Chipotle. Grabbed some Chipotle. $8 and quarters. Four hours of parking. I thought it was too good to be true. It was. From New York City, I was like, there's no way. Impossible. Yeah, we drove around uh, like three laps around this like one block to try and find parking. Finally got it. Um, Eating Chipotle, shoveling Chipotle on the road, uh, like 35 degrees, a little bit of slush in the air, and uh, finally got to the stadium. And 
had this guy one the only one scalper tried to scalp us tickets for like twenty dollars a piece. And I said, No guy, I can get them on SeatGeek for fourteen dollars a piece and they're guaranteed real tickets. I'd rather do that. Went to the box office, they were twenty nine dollars a piece, got the fourteen dollar SeatGeek tickets. Okay. They were second row right behind Temple's bench on the field. So what do we do? We stand on the bench on the first row, right behind the quarterback telephone. Anthony Russo's on the phone after every single series. We had the heaters right in front of us. We're right between the both offensive bench and the defensive bench, right on the 50-yard line. You, Mr. 50-yard line, would have loved it. 45 degrees to the left, 45 degrees to the right. You have to stand on the bench. You couldn't stand on the ground. You get the perfect view of the field, perfect view of the, the screen. Great, great seating. And easy, easy on the neck, too, I bet. Oh, neck, great easy yeah. on the neck. Tony's big on sitting at 50-yard line every game for the last seven years. He sits 50-yard wow. line. Because he gets 45 degrees to the left, 40 degrees to the right. To the right. Won't, won't sit anywhere else. Sits there a half hour early every game. Maybe an hour sometimes. Some hour early for SEMO games. Hasn't missed a game in how long? Home game? Nine years. Nine, Nine years. Nine. Haven't yeah. missed a home game. That's impressive. Yes. Midfield every single game. Midfield. Every single every, game. Same, same bleacher too. We got it marked. Sometimes in the he thick. He puts a big X when he says. <laughs> he writes his name. Tony. Sometimes Rather. in the thick of the uh, the away the team too. Because they got the away team right near him. Yeah, it gets, yeah, it gets a little bit. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're there. Front row. We got uh, one of my uh, one of the old Temple basketball managers that I worked with was to the right. We had some Temple fans behind us. A little Temple fans sprinkled around. Not a lot. Very few. But um, we're there. Drunk Browns fans. <laughs> some, drunk, some drunk Cincinnati fans in the fourth quarter. But we're there. And uh, anytime Russo comes near me, I'm chirping at Russo. Positive chirps. You got it, bud. Keep up the great work, bud. You got to sling it downfield. Get Isaiah Wright mix in, in the mix. Get Mac in the mix. 80-yard bomb. He won't He won't even give me the time of day. Won't even look over. Hey, he's focused, man. He's Very focused. focused. He's on that phone. Whenever that phone's ringing and he's not there, I'm like, Rousseau, your phone's ringing. And he's there on the phone. And then uh, my buddy Dave Garrison, who we wanted to get on the podcast, weren't able to. He was there. Talked with him a bit on the sideline. Then, next thing you know, um, there was, uh, we had some, uh, Sean Bradley, number one running back, uh, number one uh, linebacker, sorry. He's there and I'm shouting at Sean, Sean, take one to the house next time. And he gives me a, I got you, but he didn't get me. He did not bring one to the house at all. Um, Todd, Todd Santeo, quarterback. He, uh, when I shouted at him, he didn't get any touches in this game at all. Unless he did in the first quarter, which we didn't get to see much of. I think he did. I think he was in the box score. Okay, so I, I mean, actually looked at the box score, but he did not get any touches at all in, yeah, uh, in the first. in the in the second, third, or fourth quarter. Cause I tell, I'm I'm screaming at Todd, you got to get in there, get Todd in the mix. Todd, get in there, sling your sling your your one touchdown, you get a game. And uh, by, by Russo, yeah, he by was one for man, two. He got four yards. If he's a mobile quarterback, I think that would have been a good look for them. Yeah, they always they mix him in. At least from the conditions that Russo was struggling, some of the balls came out bad. Yeah, it, and he was very inaccurate. Russo, twenty-four for for forty-three, two hundred twenty-eight yards, one touchdown, one interception, and Centeo only was one for two for four yards. Game-ending interception. Yes. So uh, before we get to the game ending, we have. Um, Davis was was the guy the guy with the ball a lot. Uh, Jager Gardner uh, broken leg, 
Oh, that's what it was? Yes. Wow, Broken that's... lower left leg. He came out of the game. We, he couldn't wow. even – he hobbled off. Um Came out today. He's got a broken left leg. So, Jager Garner is done for the year. That's it's now Ramon Davis' show for the UConn game and our bowl game. Davis, I was impressed with him. He is good with the ball. He can move the ball. I was impressed. Yeah, 71 yards for him. One touchdown. And uh, it, the game was close the whole way through. 13 nothing, And they were always in a defense. Hell of a game. I was highly impressed by the defense. Defense kept us in it. And you were watching the game, I'm betting, Tony, the whole time. I, I caught the last quarter, actually. Plenty of opportunities to win the game. Yes, For Russo sure. could have played better, but this is not on Russo. Not on Russo. It's tough to sling the ball with this slushy, nasty rain right. we had. So you can't put it on Russo. He kept us in it. He he could have maybe made that leap, but he didn't. But he, he, he kept us in it. Um, what kept us out of it was... Yes, special teams as a, as a whole, but specifically the kicking and the punting. That was the biggest issue with our punter getting the ball and then p- oh, scooping it up and bad. his knee so touching knee the ground at the six, which then gave them an extra. Yep. They were up. They were going to go into half at 3 nothing. They go into the half 6 nothing now. Okay. That was a big play. Big really big was. play. Because we would have the they would have had the ball at the fifty with less than a minute left. Now they have the ball at the at the ten, and they we stop them in the red zone because we great red zone defense. Kick a field goal. They go into half up six nothing. Again, that's one game changing moment. Shows up at the end of the score, at the end of the the, the, the final score. Next was. Um, we score. We score a touchdown, right? It's uh, or they end up scoring. They miss their PAT. We score. I can't remember the order, but we score. We miss our PAT. Let alone do we, we just miss it? We don't miss it. <laughs> they it gets blocked. It's one thing to miss it, but and this man Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant scoops it up at the four and runs it back ninety six freaking yards, and they get a defensive PAT for two points. Kobe. Kobe, wow. and that is the that biggest. Is as bad, that's it big get difference. Any worse than that. And then a field goal miss. Now you take, you take the the PAT. The PAT goes in. Okay, we win the game fourteen to thirteen. Okay, the PAT is blocked, but we just tackle Kobe Bryant. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. We're in overtime right now, and if we make the field goal. We're up big. We're up. Uh, if we make that PAT, we're up. So kicking and punting ruined, was ruined the game. Ruined the game. And I'm not going to blame this on some some college kid who is scraping by, right. maybe with his scholarship. I'm going to blame this 100% on Rod Carey. Rod Carey fired Ed Foley. If you don't know who Ed Foley is, Ed Foley was two-time interim head coach for the Temple Owls. Rod Carey has been on the staff since 2008 when Al Golden was the head coach. Ed Foley has been the special teams coordinator for the Temple Owls since 2013. And for three years, when Temple was the best, their, their three best seasons of the last four years, 
Special teams was the top 10 special teams in the FBS. Sorry, top five special teams in the FBS. That's kicking, punting, returning, kickoffs, kick returns, punt returns, PATs, field goals. Top five special teams in the nation. And we just lost. And we we saw it. You and I are sitting in uh, wings, etc. Beginning of the year, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we watch we watch some ugly punts go out the back of the end zone, right? We watch some, some punting yeah. errors, some kicking errors, right? Some field goal errors, right? And we sat there and we're like, oh, this better this better get fixed. And it didn't. It did and here it is. We are with the conference on the line to play in championship, with the division on the line. That's what lost us. That's what lost us the division. Underperforming. And it came back from weeks one and two and three. Okay. We saw it here. Weeks one and two, we saw it. It's biting us in the ass against Cincinnati in week 13. That's it. I'm scraping it up to Rod Carey not keeping Ed Foley. He went with his loyalty and brought his own guy in. He should have kept Ed Foley there. Yeah. I mean, where is he now? Where's Ed Foley now? He is now an analyst. For Matt Rule at Baylor, he's gotcha. he's just a he's just a quality control guy, analyst guy up in the booth. Just Matt Rule brought him back to to his staff. He has gone through four head coaches. Uh, is it four? Yes, four head coaches at Temple through Al Golden. He Ed Foley worked with Ryan Day, Matt Rule. He's worked with uh, Steve Adazio. He's worked with Al Golden and Rod Carey. Did not keep our guy, Ed Foley, which is tough. It's tough because he's been there uh, through through so much, through so many guys, and he is the epitome of Temple Tough. And we are really missing him a lot this year. Rod Carey needs to fire the special teams coordinator. Yeah, we'll call for his head. Fire! Because that's what yeah. lost that Cincinnati game. That right now, we would it would be up to the last week of the season if Cincinnati is going to play for the conference championship. And this Memphis game would have meant a lot. and We would need Memphis to win this game. But that's all gone. That's in the past. It's done. And uh, that's it. Story of the game was kicking. Special teams coordinator, fire him. Um, um, anything else you got to add about Cincinnati since I'm all fired up? Anything else you got on this, this game? Damn. I was, I'm just going to say that I was highly impressed by the competitiveness of Temple. It, they played a good game. Against a ranked team who is solid, but I'm upset. I'm not even a Temple fan, and I'm upset that they lost the game in that manner. And it wasn't even oh a black kick, and because usually oh you, you tackle, yeah, right? yeah. But that's something you would say as a joke. Oh, imagine they block this and take it back. Literally said that, and it literally happened. Literally said that to him. That I was like, let's, let's hope they don't block this. Next thing you know, they block not it. Not only did they block, it, they brought it back ninety six yards. That is horrible. Oh, bad defense. I was impressed. And Run, it wasn't the just running game is good. The quarterback, not bad, but not good either. But the special teams, I was disgusted, honestly. Yeah, and it's tough to, to categorize special teams and all because it's not like it was it was returning issues. Their punter at Cincinnati was amazing. He was balling. Because yeah. he, he did he not give – he sent these things into orbit and did not give Isaiah Wright one opportunity yeah, to was, return. That was a good – Any punts because 
That's what I said last episode. You remember that Tony said we need special teams to step up in this game. Isaiah Wright to make some returns. They no Cincinnati. Chance. I think Cincinnati punter may have listened to last week's show and decided to not give Isaiah Wright any chances. But before I get any more fired up, it's not just special teams. It was a kicking and a punting situation. Uh, it's bad. I guess the special teams. Uh, you could categorize them because they should have been able to make that tackle on Kobe Bryant. That's where it is, yes. special teams. Yes. So, yes, it is a special teams thing. A lot of kicking issues. Um, but, again, not going to blame the kicker because it's not it's not just him. Um, it's uh, you got you got them right carry and special teams coordinator. Because if it was just one, you know what I mean, it's just one isolated incident, it's not. This was it is the coordinator. Multiple as a As a situations. special teams coach, you have to go over those situations. Yes. As a punter, what if there's a low snap? You have to tell your your kicker, don't put your knee on the ground because you're going to lose the ball right there. Yep. That is the opposite of what you're trying to do with a punt. Yeah. As a field goal kicking team, what if it gets blocked? That happens. You have to go over pursuit angles with them so you avoid giving them two points and losing the game. Yeah, this guy, if you saw the tape, he is in the the far, the the, the back left of the, the, the corner. Yep. In the corner, he picks the ball up. Runs the opposite side, not all the one, way around. All the way around, That's unacceptable. opposite corner, unacceptable. nobody near At him. Any level of football, it was ugly. And again, it's not not on the kicker, not on the punter. It's on special teams because it's been an issue all year, and it wasn't just one player making mistakes. It's not one isolated incident. It's multiple. Comes down on the coordinator. Comes down on the head coach for not keeping it in fully. I'm done with. Temple, Cincinnati. Hey, before we end it, we're not going to talk about that last throw by Russo? Okay, we'll talk about the last throw by Russo. It was nowhere near anyone. First, first down and 10, he's got pressure, I get that. but And he's, he's going for Mac. For That's what I was telling you. I was like, man, what Going was for that? Mac, what nowhere near. And that, again, that we, we saw that multiple times throughout the game. He had a lot of balls that went away from nowhere near that his receivers. Looking very bad. Very and inaccurate. Maybe that's the condition. I, I think you got but then But you have to take that into account when you're a quarterback. And it's he, not really an excuse. He had that one rail shot, one handed catch in the end zone, which was gorgeous. Yeah. The second touchdown. And he threw a beautiful ball. I will give credit where it's due a beautiful ball on the sideline to blue. Yes. Where it blew to get that first drag. down that in the was last beautiful. drive. So I'll give him credit for that. But some of the balls that came out were horrible. Yeah, I mean, very inaccurate. And it, we don't usually see that from Russo a lot this year. So, I mean, it's tough. Uh, glad I was there. I would have liked to see them lean on that run game a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, Davis had, I mean, total, there were 78, 78 yards for the team. 71 by Davis, 24 for Gardner. But How many touches did Davis get? Davis had 13, 13. Gardner had 10. So, But moving on to next week, Temple hosts UConn for the final game of the season, which uh, UConn is, I mean, they're not even going to be in the, the conference next year. UConn is, I don't even know why they have football anymore, but... It's a sad, sad state of affairs. 0-7 in the conference, 2-9, and 
Overall, we have a 95.1% chance, according to the ESPN's Football Power Index, to win this game. Um, it's going to be a nice little cool-down warm-up for bowl season yep. um, before the guys take about three weeks off before the bowl game. Um, so, preview, what's your thoughts going into UConn, Tony? Uh, senior day, so, I mean, that's always a fun day, and uh, you can pay respects to your seniors and what they gave to your program. Um, and there's, and there's, you know, probably a handful on there that uh, have a future in, in football. But it's also, you know, it's going to be their last home game playing at Lincoln Financial before the before the bowl game. So it's always a fun game. But you can't uh, let your emotions get in front of you. So you just got to, even though they're two and nine, UConn is. You got to play your uh, your best game and prepare for that bowl game upcoming. Agreed. Yes. Um, also, a couple other. Couple of highlights. Um, need to win this game to have a nine-win season. This would be Temple's looking for their seventh nine-win season in program history. They've had six so far of nine and four or better in program history. So um, right now sitting at uh, eight. Is it eight and four? No, we're seven and four. Sorry, seven and four to get eight and four, and then to win the bowl game to go nine and four. Um, Need to win this game to be able to get that nine-win season. Uh, other is Jaden Blue, 80th reception, which broke the program record for single-season receptions, which uh, he's got 923 yards, three touchdowns, 80 receptions on the year. Which Jaden Blue was was the third reception, was third receiver this year with Mac as the the number two guy, and Mac's become the number one, and Wright has been the like two three guy this year. So. Um, Blue really stepped Blue out. stepped just up. Just watching, that's the whole, I He's, don't watch Temple, but just watching that game, Blue is the best playmaker. On yeah, game. I mean, Mac, I think Mac's your, Mac's your great, big, tall, outside guy, right? We walked into the game, being in the second quarter, Isaiah Wright, ball in his hands, just slips right out. Isaiah Wright's just not been that wide receiver that we saw last year and in the past, but uh, Jaden Blue, great little, like, slot guy who... Um, what year is he? Let's see. Sophomore. Sophomore. So we got two more years with Jaden Blue, and I think we have two more years. I think with Mac as well. If I'm not, if I'm not, uh, I'm not wrong on that. So it'll be uh, good to see that the wide receiver core stays together uh, for a bit. Um, but must win. I think Temple takes care of business and takes on the W against UConn. Dan, what's your thoughts? Temple UConn. Temple, I want to see them beat the crap out of UConn. They need to come out hot because after losing that game in that way they and going into a bowl game, they need a super strong performance in that one. And that's easy work. UConn, sad state of affairs for the program. They should get them out of there easily. I don't think I've ever seen UConn beat Temple. Uh, since 2012, I remember watching it in my dorm room. It's always late in the season. Tem- Temple UConn's always usually the last game of the regular season. Temple UConn was senior night, um, my senior year. So I- I've never seen Temple lose to UConn or it ever be a close game. So I think Temple just takes care of business as as usual. They'll run the ball at will. Yes, game. yes. And Roman Davis, maybe we see uh, our third our third string running back um, who's going to have to step up. With the running game with Jager, Jager Gardner out for the, uh, excuse me, 
for the season. So that is a sad injury. Yep, that really is bad. Yep. Uh, Tony, what's your thoughts? Temple, UConn. I think I think Temple rolls, and uh, it's a good senior day, and hopefully you get a good crowd out there for uh, the house. Yes, agreed, agreed. So that is it on the Temple talk. We're gonna say goodbye to Dan. Dan, thank you again for coming in for the first part of this episode. Before we head into the next segment, stay tuned for next week's episode where we go in-depth with Dan's time on Ohio State's football program and some Urban Meyer stuff and some guys who are now in the league. And uh, and you got you to gotta stay tuned for next week. The, the quarterbacks that were in this depth chart is unreal. That 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 Dan was a running back with loaded depth chart that that these guys you got to hear next week. Uh, stay tuned and uh, thanks, Dan. Thank you guys for having me. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Now we head into Semo Talk. We are playoff bound. Playoff bound. Playoff bound as the Red Hawks are going to be hosting for the second year in a row the FCS playoffs. This time, not against Stony Brook. We got oh. Illinois State from right across the river. Up the river. Little Midwest, little Midwest game. Yeah. So we got uh, also Murray State. Not much to talk about the game, I think, as much, but tied for first in the conference. Apparently, the OVC... Likes to give out a lot of trophies. So there is no real tiebreaker. Even though Austin P was in first place and Simo lost to Austin P, both teams are tied for first. They say, guess what? You both get a trophy. You're both champions. So conference championship for the Simo Redhawks as they beat Murray State. Let's give a little snippet about the game. Tony, you were there live. I didn't get to watch because I was stuck. I was stuffed with the college football here in the state of Ohio. What's your thoughts? Give us uh, the highlights, maybe any lowlights. 31-24 win over Murray State. Did you have any doubts at, at any point? You know what? I, I didn't have any doubts. It, you know, SEMO, since uh, the beginning of the season, they've just been a slow start team in the first quarter, second quarter. And unfortunately... It makes the games closer than they really have to be, but I mean, they they played um, a good a good game in the second half, and they pulled away. And, and you know, Murray State came to spoil Simo's season. I mean, they were talking about fans were talking about the last year's game with the miracle of Murray, and they wanted to spoil this game. And they they played a good game, but there's a reason why they're four and seven, and they just couldn't finish what they started. And believe it or not. Their head coach uh, resigned about an hour or two after the game, I guess, after the bus ride. No way. Yeah, so he, he must have knew that his time was up and maybe the players, probably told the players. On the bus uh, ride home. Bus ride home or in the locker room. But that was his last game. and Bittersweet for Murray fans. But wow. Uh, for, for SEMO fans. What a move. Um, huge, huge win. Um, you know, we you were playing for so much, and uh, you got your conference trophy. You got your spot in the playoffs. You're hosting, and um, a lot to look forward to next week. But um, you know, I think uh, it's kind of with all the stuff going on, you forget. You know, it's nice to beat Murray. You know, yeah, they, they beat us, it's they beat always nice to beat Murray. 
it looks like they don't have a running back much. Do they not? No. Because their QB was the leading rusher for 73 yards, 13 carries, also threw for 284 yards. The next guy who ran was five carries for 11 yards. Do they not have a running back? You know, they... They must have benched their uh, starting QB for most of the year. He, I can't think of his name. He was number 12, and he didn't see it down. And this other kid, it looked a lot like the Eastern Kentucky game where they would just run QB draws and stuff. And it was oh. actually effective against Simo's defense up until they figured kind of it out. That, yeah, that made that adjustment. But, you know, Murray, um, what their offense is the, you know, quick hit. And then they, uh, they reset, no substitutions, and they snap it right away. Uh, which is effective to, to cause fatigue, but if you don't have everyone on the same page, there's times where it can look ugly. And, um, you know, Zach Hall got a pick six on one play that was just broken. Um, and they just – and also, they didn't use the clock right. I mean, for an offense like that, they don't know how to use the clock. And that kind of hurt them too. Gotcha. Yeah, it looks like – we had a great Custis Robinson, one-two punch, 86 yards, 55 yards. And uh, the next was Christian Wilkerson, 95-yard game. And they finally got the mix in. You got Williams, Alston, Smith, Custis, all having positive yards in the receiving game with double digits from four different receivers, which we I don't think we had. There's never been a game at all this year with four receivers and double-digit receiving. You know, Zach Smith, I'll give him credit. I know his stat line doesn't look all that impressive. Five Two touchdowns, three. though. Yes, they, I think he's starting to come back from his injury a little bit, especially in the receiving aspect of it. He's able to run these routes where your big receivers like Wilkerson and Olsen take the uh, defensive backs with them, and Zach Smith can run those underneath routes or to the sideline routes. And when he catches it, he can. he's a fast kid, and he can get some extra yards. So getting him involved more, which they were, uh, look nice as an extra addition, but ultimately you, you got to get uh, you got to get more consistent in, in, in the first half. The offense has seemed to sputter out in the first half. Yeah, it's it, it looked like I'm looking at the box score. It looked like the classic Semo football game, and I feel like I've said this three times at least this season, and I've seen it all last season a bunch and the season before. They start out and they go into they go into halftime in the locker room down by a touchdown or a touchdown and a field goal, two scores, right? Yeah. A score or two, two possession, come out and they take care of business second half. They are a second half program. Always have been. Scoreless third quarter, two touchdowns in the fourth quarter and they pull away with a 31-24 win. And uh, Santa with 215 yards, passing, three touchdowns. And what a win. Yes. What a, a lot, win. A lot to celebrate down here. And uh, today was special with the selection show. Um, getting getting to find out you're in, you're hosting, and who you're playing. And Yeah, so let's, let's look forward to... Let's look forward to that Illinois. Let's look uh, ahead to that Illinois State matchup, uh, 1 p.m. Central on Saturday at Hauk Fieldhouse. Tony Stadium. Lee, Stadium. Hauk Fieldhouse Stadium. I'm sorry, I don't know why I said Fieldhouse. 
They're not going to play indoors. They're going to play outdoors. They're not going to play indoors. But what uh, will you be in attendance? Of course. I already bought my tickets. Oh, of course you did. I love it. So tell me, uh, tell me what's your thoughts on this game. I'll tell you. Two, uh, one name for Illinois State, James Robinson, senior running back from Rockford, Illinois, 5'10", 220. He is the offense of Illinois State. I'll tell you, look at their box score. He is the workhorse. They lost to Youngtown State last week. Guess what the QB's numbers were? Three for 16. These are two different quarterbacks. Three for 16, 30 yards. Three interceptions. One QB went two for seven. The other one went one for nine. The previous game against uh, Missouri State, uh, three quarterbacks. One went eight for 11 for 65 yards. The other two went 0 for 1 and 0 for 2. James Robinson, 29 carries, 155 yards. Uh, They are a running team. You have to uh, stop the run. That's what this game comes down to. And uh, mainly James Robinson. That's the guy they're going to have to stop. Stop the run. Stop the run. That's the name of the game. And um, an offense that's not, they're not going to put up, you know, 35, 40 uh, against you. But they also have a strong defense, too. They limit their opponents. I mean, I'm looking at their, I mean, you know, the optics of the game can be kind of deceiving just by looking at scores. But they held, um, you know, Northern Illinois at just 24 points. That's an FBS opponent. You know, uh, Illinois State, they beat SIU 21-7. Western Illinois, 14. Indiana State had 7. South Dakota State, a a pretty good team, held them to 18. Missouri State had 12. So, defensively, they're a solid team. Kind of like they compare very much to us. It's going to be a matter of defense and who makes mistakes. Yeah, I think Santa's got to have a good game. And and hopefully we can get some, some... Some air raid, a bit of an offense going uh, after we've established our run, but just because it, they're going to be on the ground all day. It sounds like, and that's what it looks like. And you look at the bus pulled up some box scores as well. They will be on the ground all game. If we can stop yep. the run, they have nothing else to do. And I, and they don't I have think, anything else know, to fall our, back on. Our, our strength is stopping the run, and another key thing is we're at home, which we're a different team playing at home. Uh, which it helps, and I think the weather is supposed to be it's supposed to be sixty degrees. I think there might be a little rain. Wow! Which it, that does affect Santa Cana Arena, but we're also a week away, so we'll see. But um, if it does rain, do they start Joe Pyle? I don't think they start Joe Pyle, but if the offense is sputtering all the way through halftime to the third quarter, third quarter, see- I think you make that decision and you put Joe Pyle in at the beginning of the second quarter. That game can get quickly out of hand if Santa cannot use his his hands to his advantage, and he's uh and he can't he can't play in the rain. And we've he said it, we've seen it. Yep. Coach Tuca said I, I, it. I hear you. I just feel like you got You got to. Your quarter might be too late. You know, you don't want to get out of hand. I hear that. I, I just feel like there's even though they're second let's second hope, half team. Let's hope there's no rain. There might be a little rain, but nothing that like the JSU game was or the. Um, whatever that, what was that other game that he played, Joe Pyle? It was UT Martin, maybe? Yeah, um, where Joe Pyle had that big run up the middle. Yeah, 
you know, I think Sansa's your guy, and, you know, if you have to make a decision like that, you know, that's why Coach 2 gets paid when he gets paid. But, um, you know, this, you know, it, it, the recipe for a win is here for Southeast. Um, they have the fourth longest winning streak, I believe, in FCS football. And um, there will be a, probably a big crowd coming from Illinois State because it's not too far of a drive. And it's going to be a great atmosphere, great for college football and Cape Girardeau. And hopefully the, the town comes out like they did last year. Last year, I believe you were there, Chris, last year. Yep. Um, great crowd, great atmosphere, and uh, a great football game. But um, to me, you know, you, you got to focus at Illinois State. But as a fan, you can kind of look ahead. You know, Central Arkansas is that next opponent, which is also kind of a, a Midwest game. So, um, kind of a fun. And that's, game. I think, that's a big, big advantage for the Red Hawks is that the game is not out in the Mountain West or not out in the Montana, in in the Dakotas or Montana or Idaho or Colorado or something out there because we know once the Red Hawks go out there. It's bad news, bad news Hawks for them. And to, yeah. be, to only have to go to Central Arkansas and play a team like that, we might see the first ever second round win if we can get past Illinois State. Which is yeah. also a little interesting matchup. MIC teams, uh, gymnastics conference, same conference for gymnastics, Illinois State and Southeast Missouri State. So they do share teams in the same conference. Not in the same conference or anything else, but gymnastics. But... We will see how this game comes out. I think the Red Hawks pull out the win. Uh, you need you need a lot of Cape Girardeau to show up. And even though it's Thanksgiving week, not a lot of students will be there. The hometown, the town needs to show up for this team. They've asked for a winning football team multiple times, a lot over the years. Here it is. Your team's in the playoffs two years in a row, hosting a first-round game two years in a row. Show up. Show your Red Hawks. Support, show some support for your Red Hawks. Get out there and and, and, and show up, Cape Girardeau. Hey, I'll tell you this, and you know it's it, you know you were there. The town came out, even though because it was on the same Thanksgiving break kind of schedule last year. Always will be. The place was filled up, and the town came out, and I think we'll see the same exact crowd. I think it might even be bigger because of what Illinois State will be. Bringing. Illinois State will travel. They will show yes. up. Stony Brook even traveled a little bit. And they traveled over 19 hours. This is a yes. four-hour trip. Four-hour trip. Illinois State, don't let, do not let that be a Redbird crowd. Okay? Let Make sure that's a Red Hawk crowd. Do not let that be a Redbird crowd. And Cape Charter better show up because, boy, oh, boy, last thing you want is there be a bunch of red, more Redbird fans than Red Hawk fans at your own home playoff game. Yeah, which I think the, the crowd's going to come out and and, um, and support, but there will be a bigger opponent crowd than the last playoff game. But, you know, I think Southeast, their strength is, you know, defense. I mean, they, they're great against the pass, and, and, you know, in the first half they struggle against the run, which it, it, that may be uh, something to keep an eye on. But, you know, like you said, like you mentioned this, they, they, they make the adjustments in the second half. And it, and it seems like they always make those adjustments. So hopefully they get the tape they need to stop Mr. James Robinson, who's go, just going off box score, um, is a great running back. And I'm kind of excited to see him because, you know, these F, FCS athletes kind of 
jump jump on you in the NFL when they when they say, oh, this guy played for this team or what have you. This this Robinson kid could be somebody who could be in the NFL next year. But um, I'm excited. I think Seymour pulls it. I think it's going to be a nail biter. Uh, not going to be a, it's not going to be a 35 10 score. Uh, I'm thinking going to be it's going to be a grinded out type game. 21 18 Simo. Ooh yeah, that's a close one. I think uh, I think Simo takes away the win. It's a, it's a winnable game. It's going to be a close game. It's going to be uh, the the most evenly matched teams I think that we have seen a matchup with the Red Hawks this year. It'll be a close one. I wouldn't be surprised if this thing goes into overtime. That's all I'm saying. Would not be surprised if this thing goes overtime. And you know what? You can say you heard it here first on the Nest College Football Podcast. And that's it for episode 14. My name's Chris. Go Owls. Go Red Hawks. That's for Tony. Thanks, guys. And peace.